It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, sports fans. Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown live show. Coming at you without a... um, a game tonight, so we should all be here ready to go and try and talk about feeling maybe like we don't have anything to talk about or watch tonight, so let's do it. Um, we always have Andrew Combo Salad with us to join us as well. I've got a new new camera, by the way, as well, with a little extra blurry focus on it or non-focus. So anyway, Combo, I'm a little all, all over the place already tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing well. The NBA took the night off, but we did not, Coach Nick. We did not. That is a great way to put it, and uh, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have everyone else here as well streaming into the stream. Uh, I'm hanging in there. Adam, who's asking how I'm doing. Um, I'm going to go out to dinner tonight, believe it or not. Can you believe that? What are you going to eat? Uh, you know, we're going not too far away from the house. It's going to be like, uh, you know, typical, I think, American fare, perhaps. So, um, okay, you know. Well, well, we maybe they'll steak frites. Maybe we'll see. Well, uh, that's kind of French, I guess. But nonetheless, it'll be good. I, I, I promise. How about you? Did you already eat dinner? I did. I did. It was good. Good. Uh, <laughs> well, we got to talk about some stuff. So I was prepping a video today, believe it or not, and it was all about what the Suns are doing to the Mavericks. Do you have you looked at their offensive rating after two games? The Suns or the Mavericks? Suns. Excuse me. The Suns' uh, offensive rating. I'm not. So it's like 135, <laughs> which is like way about beyond anything they had done in the regular season. And it would be number one by, you know, 15 points, 20 points, whatever. So um, they're lighting up the Mavericks defense. So I wanted to go through, you know, what they're running out most commonly. But then I realized that at some point in game two, they started to relish uh, isolating on Luka Doncic. Did yes. You that yesterday? Yes. I mean, especially in the fourth. Yeah, so a little bit in the third, and then all of a sudden, CP3 in, in his genius dominance in the fourth, it was almost all, I'm going to set a screen, force Luka to guard me, and then we're going to roast him, and that's what happened. Um, so I decided, you know what, that might be a more interesting video, if you will. So I kind of scrapped, I'm going to save that, actually. So after game three or game four, I'm going to do that video where I'll explain all the different, uh, basically, it'll be whoever got, who plays him in the next round, it'll be their scouting report for them, basically. Um so what do you think so far with the uh, the Suns and the, and, the, and the Mavericks in that series? I mean, I've talked about this before. Heliocentric is a type of style that's not conducive to winning championships unless you have a player that could defy the odds like a LeBron James did. Can Luka Doncic get that done? I think he's actually that great that it could happen, but it's not the easiest and most seamless way to win a championship as we see. Uh, that's true. And, and Luca's been pretty damn good. I mean, I, I kind of want to call up his stats right now just to sort of uh, see what they are overall, because he's had it certainly stretches where he's just been ridiculous, hit, hitting step backs, you know, scoring it whatever way he wants it all across the floor. Um, I kind of feel like he's not setting up his teammates as well as normal. Um, that could be, that could be, but with Mikel Bridges guarding him, it's amazing that not even Mikel could ever really speed him up. Like, if there's one guy that you think might be able to speed him up, it could be Bridges. But, man, it's it's kind of insane that 
Bridges never speeds him up and he just plays at the pace he wants, just like he plays against everybody else. Because Mikel has like a 6'10, 6'9 wingspan and yep. he's one of the best defenders in the league. Here's here's Lucas' numbers 40, 40 a game in the two games, uh, 54% um, field goal percentage overall, 43% from three. He's taking Oof. over 10 threes a game. Um, and he's still getting seven and a half assists. So I was way off. He's sitting this guy's up. He's turned the ball over six times, and he's definitely struggling with the um, the length. Uh, you know, I mean, he threw a pass, which I'm sure he would have thrown nine times out of ten in the regular season. And because Bridges was in the passing lane a little bit, he just snatches it out of the air and makes him look terrible. When you know that that was a, it was one of those plays where Bridges got a wingspan that's you know ten inches longer than his height. You, you think it's open, it's not. So he's struggling in that department as well. And that those runouts, um, you know, when when the Suns get going in transition, not a ton of times when they were scoring out of it, but like a, it's devastating when they get into transition. Yeah, Chris Paul seems to be at his best in the fourth quarter, and Luka Doncic seems to be getting a little bit tired in that fourth quarter too. Oh, that's interesting too. Now, again, um, you know, CP3 can buy this time and not have to work so hard the first yes. time. It's a real nice luxury. And then – so, and here's what's interesting about the, the whole storyline is that Luca was getting into it with the fans, right? And that's always an interesting yeah. dynamic. We've seen that with LeBron and whatnot. Um, but it seemed to me that they said, okay, you're going to get into a like a personal fight with fans. And like, you know, he stepped up to one of the guys, I think, uh, in the tunnel. And um, so he goes, fine, we're going to embarrass you. And like, did you get that notion that they were trying to embarrass him on purpose? I guess they were targeting him with Chris Paul. I mean, they were going at him every single time, and Chris Paul was putting on a clinic. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and almost to the point where, like, yeah, I mean, is he the weakest link on defense? Um, like, probably in, some, in, a, in a Lowe's lineups then, you know, that's the guy you'd probably want to whatever. But it, it definitely felt like something like the, the team collectively, maybe the arena collectively, <laughs> said, we got to put this guy in his place, and we're going to let, you know, the master – uh, do that. And I got to tell you, if you're talking about decision-making, you know, in the crunch time of, of a playoff game, um, except for a few times where CP3 has melted down in the past when the, the game has seemed to have gotten away from them, his teams, uh, the gold standard, he, every decision he makes is the right one. Every shot he takes is the right shot. Um, it, it was, it was a masterclass really. Yeah. I mean, he gets this done all the time. I've seen him do this before to players not named Luka Doncic. I think Luka Doncic just happens to be guarding him. And Chris Paul gets that mid-range off whenever he wants. And then he can pick defenses apart, obviously, with his passing as well. You're right. I mean, it was a clinic, and he took Luka to school, that's for sure. For sure. You know what? Hi, Josh. How you doing? <laughs> um, so that's how you get on the screen, I guess. But don't forget, if you want to get your, your comments or your questions answered directly, Super Chat's the way to go. We put them on the screen. Big thank you. It helps us keep this show going. Also, if you want to join the show via video and audio, which is always a nice uh, um, addition to the show, you can join us with uh, the link that's in the description, um, and we can chop it up with you there. And in fact, Rafi wants to come on already. He didn't even wait this time. He's ready to go right from the beginning. So what do you think, Combo? You ready? Let's get him in here. All right. Oh, oh, that was the wrong button. Here's the button. There we go. Rafi, what's happening, my man? Hey, guys. Hey, Rafi um, always has a new background. Maybe he has know, 25 rooms. Around, in around. <laughs> yeah, keep it I fresh. To, I don't have too long today, so I thought I'd join in the beginning if I could. Nice. Um, Yeah, I wanted to talk about Luca a little bit because I, I know you guys were talking about that, but I, I – I don't think it was just like Luca happened to be on CP3 and CP3 picks everyone apart. They were going at him every time. They were pulling him into the actions, 
getting him switched on people and just like going at him again and again. I mean, you know, you can't really blame him 100% because obviously it's such a big offensive load that it's going to tire him out. But at the same time, it was rough. They were giving up like, I think, 1.77 points per possession when he was involved in the pick and roll defensively. Yeah. I mean, well, that is. Because I, I went through every half court possession that he was out there on defense just to make sure what what they were trying to do. And I think for the video, there's probably like 10 possessions total in the two games, maybe 12, where it's like CP3 or Devin Booker forcing a switch and then attacking him. Because to me, there are a couple in there that might people might consider that, which were like in the flow of the offense. So we got to kind of figure out how we want to parse these possessions and which ones were really the targeting, which ones happened to be Luca in the flow of their offense. You know what I mean? But even when it wasn't exactly that, they were like, putting him as the strong side defender and then making him make decisions. And he was like, mm-hmm. you know, call it exhaustion, call it bad decision-making, but he was making the wrong choice a lot of the time and they were picking him apart. Like, yeah. I I know you're saying it wasn't always just like straight up him switching onto them, but a big part of that was also that the Mavs didn't want him switched onto them. So they were trying to stop it. Like, I think, I think you know, obviously the Ma- it's when you're against the Suns, they're going to find whatever weakness and exploit it to the best of their ability. But it, I, I did think it was more than just like, you know, an outlier stat. I think it was, I think it was real. I think we're going to keep seeing it. Oh, and without question, you're right. Like th- that, there was, there was no question that he was doing very poorly. Any closeout that he is doing in the, in the, in the flow of the offense is, is, is not good either. They're attacking him there as well and getting by him. So he looks heavy uh, again. I don't know if anyone wants to agree with me on that one. He doesn't. Yeah, look- I. I- I yeah. mentioned that before because I remember mentioning that the first game he was back from injury and somebody told me, look at his stats. I was like, I mean, yeah, he's playing great, but the body definitely looked different. Yeah. I, I'll never, until I see it, I won't believe in this heliocentric offense in the playoffs because it, it, it very rarely works. I mean, you can talk about like, not like just relying on one player so much, but having a player just like, like, or orchestrate everything it's just I don't I think the offensive load is too big I think it it's like you can when you have in the playoffs and you can game plan against people it doesn't work as well I mean I don't think we've ever seen a team besides maybe maybe LeBron I don't think it's yeah. ever really worked in well, the playoffs. you saw LeBron do it and he he won yeah. more in that but he's yeah. also you know arguably the greatest player of all time right. pretty much consensus top three so that's like it's well, I, I guess it, I guess if you believe Luca could become one of the top three players of all time, he could do it. I mean, I think many people believe that. But but he's going to have to take a jump physically. Uh, yeah, uh, definitely. definitely. And that was prime LeBron. That like yeah. that's like you know he's not there. He's not in his prime yet. In theory, Luca isn't. Right. Um, but he needs to uh, be able to move better. It's um, it's a, it's the same story with him and Harden and AD. They just got to take off seasons more seriously, in my opinion. And that reminds me of the country's best roasters that have partnered with Trade Coffee to bring you the freshest and best tasting coffee delivered right to your door. After filling out their taste quiz, I've been blown away with how well they've matched their coffee choices with my taste. Everyone has been a surprising burst of perfect flavors suited to me specifically, and I look forward to each new delivery. Their human algorithm and army of taste testers will definitely find the perfect coffee for you. And with their trade match guarantee, if you don't like the first bag they send you, they'll take your feedback and an actual coffee expert will work with you to send a brand new bag for free. Right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping when you go to drinktrade.com slash bball. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com slash bball and let Trade find you a coffee you'll love. 
And don't forget about Mother's Day coming up. A trade subscription is the perfect gift for the coffee lovers in your life. I mean, Harden's the other, like, is the, is the other, like, greatest heliocentric offensive player, I think. I mean, obviously, he has had his issues in the playoffs, but if we're just looking at, like, overall, as a heliocentric, like, center of a team, like, he's, he was so good for those Rockets. Oh, I mean, that was, those teams are brutal. And yeah. then he conked out, and then he you know wouldn't be in enough yeah. shape or whatever it is to be able to handle that load. And I agree, there's it, there's a real value to being able to generate easier shots, which is what the the Suns' offense does that for most of the game. So Booker, he's coming off those pin downs from the left block, and and having that that that, that offense have been running for years for him. They're running horns, they're running pistol, they're running uh, Spain pick and roll to to no end, and uh, and so all these shots are easy. And then okay, get the fourth quarter. Lucas talking crap to our fans. Okay, let's let's uh, let's shut him up. Basically, is what they wanted yeah. doing, and he was gasping for breath and uh, and just uh, and they ended the game early, early. Um, and they they have to be better, uh, and they have to figure out how to guard it. The thing that uh, is weird is that the, the Spain pick and roll, which is like the one I start with in the video, which I'll get to soon. Um, I believe the Mavericks run it too, and yeah, yet- but no one runs it like the Suns. Fair enough. Oh, and the, right. And the Suns just disguise it a little bit. They'll do like a, a quick ball screen in the very beginning. And as yeah. is kind of circling around the basket, and then he comes up to set the back screen. Really cool stuff. Um, but even still, they're screwing up the switches. They don't seem to know how they want to switch it. This is on Jason Kidd. They should know exactly how to do it. It should be the same way every time. And yet it's like different every time. And no one seems to be able to communicate it properly. Um, I guess the you know what I should do is I should actually add that in the video, explain exactly how you're supposed to defend it because it's not that hard, but you don't want to get into a complete mismatch on that center when he takes that back screen. So at any rate, um, that's a real problem. And obviously the, the Mavericks, I don't think they have a chance that maybe they win one game in the series. I think I think it's a, I think it's four. Honestly, I, I could see a five, but I, I think it's a sweep. Um, I, I, I think a big part of it is the disguises because I think because the the Mavericks realize it's the Spain and roll too late, they don't they haven't like they haven't switched as they're supposed to or like whatever. And I agree it's on Jason Kidd, but it's also just like on the court, very hard to to recognize the way the Suns do it. And they're so good at it. Yeah, fair enough. Combo, you anything you want to add? I mean, I think they've been running Spain pick and roll, Chris Paul, that is since the Clipper days, right? Um, you know, it's funny because it got really good for them, for the Suns, when Chris Paul was injured and Cam Payne was doing it a lot. Wow. And when Chris Paul comes back, they didn't run it as much last year when I was doing all those breakdowns. But, uh, so I don't, but I don't have, in my mind's eye, I don't, I can't picture them doing that. In, 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 I remember, I remember Chris Paul, like, screening the screener and stuff. I don't know I if mean, they did running. the Did the Clippers have, like, knockdown shooter, though? Because that's a big part of it. Like, well, the Devin did. Booker spot. They had JJ. Like, but I don't. Oh, that's. I don't that's remember true, yeah. doing that. It's weird when it came to my attention in around what is it, 2017, 2018, when we, we actually christened Spain. You know, you know why everyone calls it Spain, right? Because the Spain national team is running it. Well, yeah, but then it really should have been called the Spanish pick and roll. But I did the video on that, and I had um, oh crap, uh, was it Nick Sharia? I think it was Nick Sharia on the on the thing, and he was, or maybe it was. Oh man, I'm gonna look it up maybe before we leave. He called it Spain pick and roll on that show, and I'm telling you, that's what started everyone calling it that because otherwise it's called stack or whatever else we want to call it. But uh, anyway, I'll take a little credit for 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 noticing that and doing the whole show on it. But nonetheless, um, where were we talking about? So we're talking about Spain. So yeah. So but here the point being that like the, the Mavericks run it, they should be a lot better already at at switching that properly. 
Um, and I'll just sort of outline that. You know, I realized I didn't plug my damn thing in to do the I could have uh, diagram this. But bottom line is the guy sitting in the back screen of the ball screeners, man, that guy has to switch in the ball handler. The, the center, the guy guy in the center, the ball, the, the ball screener has to doesn't switch because you don't want that as a mismatch. And then the, uh, the the ball handler's man switches with the guy popping out. That kind of will take care of most of your your, your threat on that pitch fainting and roll. But they were running everywhere, pointing everywhere, like, you know, guys running in weird half circles around places. It was weird. It's also important to have two shooters on the wings when you're running. That always helps as well. Yeah, yeah. That's, that certainly is nice. I don't even know, man. I, you might be able to get away with – Hmm. I guess they sag into the box and blocks and they could take that away too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. And here's the thing, a 34% shooter who's wide open in the corner, you know, I don't think you want to deal with that do in the playoffs either. Do you, do you think percentages are overrated when it comes to gravity because just reputation matters so much? Yeah. Let's think about that. A, per, a percentage is overall for all the different shots, which at right. any one time, whatever right. shot you're taking represents – 10% of the shots that you've taken? Yeah, right? I mean, also, you could just, oh, if you think this guy is a shooter, you're not really always thinking percentages while you're in the middle of a game, right? Uh, correct. And the other fascinating thing is that, you know, what is the difference between, a, like, a bad shooter and a good shooter in terms of positioning? A step, step and a half, which is yeah. important, and that's big, but it also might not really be that much real estate you're talking about. But, like, a P.J. Tucker, for instance – you know, you can let him shoot wing threes or top of the key threes all day long. And, just yeah. the ones you don't want him to have. And also, if a guy hits one or two in a row, I mean, that changes over the course of a game, a person's gravity as well. Like, even they they might be a 32% shooter, but if they just hit two, I mean, instinctively, you're going to step a little bit over towards them, and that can make all the difference. I, now, think, career, I think career yeah, – go, go ahead, Rafi. I was going to say, I think career three, like percentages or like long-term over multiple years matters. But as someone who watched a lot of Grant Williams this year when he was, had like 44% as his percentages, people didn't care. I mean, if you have just one season of sample size, then you don't have it, the same gravity as like someone who has worse percentages but has held them over long periods of time. Uh, that's uh, true. That's true. Right. I mean, like I'm, I'm sure Grant Williams was shooting a higher percentage than Danny Green, but Danny Green probably has more gravity, right? I like, guess, uh, man, Danny Green. We'll get into him in a minute, but we got a super chat. Let's put this up here, so because I don't want to get too long in the tooth before we put it up here. Uh, Say Han Bang, thank you so much. It looks like Japanese yen, or what is the W with the line through it? Anybody know? Mm -mm. Anyway, thank you so much. It seems like a lot of uh, a huge super chat. I don't know. What do you think the Mavs can do to win the next two? So uh, this is part of the conversation we're having as it is now. Uh, obviously, what, what I what I made a point of in the video I was working on today was they need to figure out how to defend Spain. Um, pistol action and uh, their horns and horns is what they run the most of. They just seem to do a lot better job of, of that. Now, the thing with the Suns is they are so clever with all their sets. They don't run horns the same way twice in a row or twice in a game, right? That they, yeah. they'll do a pick and roll at one to start. They'll do a high post entry at another time. Uh, they'll do a, a Iverson cut out of that and then run all sorts of things. It's really a nice hub of the offense for them. Uh, it's very difficult to say, okay, like take away this one thing and then hope that that works because they have five different uh, iterations they can go to. I think an important thing for them is simply getting Brunson and Spencer more involved or just them them two playing better. Like those guys need to play better for them to win. I, I like having them out there together too, having yeah. uh, Luca Brunson and uh, – and, and 100%. Because now hey, – yeah. When those two guys are 
on point, they're like right under all-star level or all-star level. Like when those guys are playing at their best. So if you get one or two of those guys playing at that level, it makes a huge difference. And it, yeah, it is a big difference when you compare last year's against the Jazz perimeter defenders, the Suns perimeter defenders. I feel like our like idea of them is a little inflated from that series just because of how absolutely terrible the Jazz perimeter defenders were in that series. Yeah. Um, okay, that's fair enough. And then um, what was I going to say? So uh, the, the key here is uh, when you have those three guys out there, now you have three guys who can create off the dribble. Yeah. Um, it's harder to double Luca, for instance, to get the ball out of his hands. And they're going to have to score, right? Their defense is their defense. It is what it is. They can, on the margins, do some you know adjustments, I think. But they're going to have to score more. Right to win. This is what their secret's going to have to be, and uh, and so yeah, I would anticipate like maybe start Spencer, um, you know, and then and see how that goes at least because you can't afford to fall behind early, um, like they had been at least in the last game. So it's like they got to do something, and it's going to have to be in the scoring department. Yeah, I agree. I think you know it was always the narrative always was like Luca needed shooters around him, but he also needed other guys that could create as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Looking at the, the the game flow. And the Mavericks were right there. They didn't really, I mean, in the very, very beginning, they had some struggles uh, in the middle of the first quarter, but they hung tight until the fourth quarter when they started to roast Luca in game two. I bet you game one was very similar. Let me look real quick here at the game flow. Uh, no. So it's interestingly enough, in game one, they took control pretty early and then had, you know, by the middle of the second quarter, they had had it uh, control the whole game. So they, they can't let that happen at all. They, especially if they're at home, they need to take control of that and, uh, and take it. And if they don't win game three, that's it. Yeah, I mean, Chris Paul, um, he's seeming like their most valuable player right now, even though uh, Devin Booker was in some people's MVP conversation. But Luka definitely doesn't have anybody like Devin Booker with him, as much as I like those two guys. For sure. Well, Rafi, you want to throw one, with, one more thing out there? Sure, with just the, the Mavs. I've, I've thought about them, like, Powell is playing almost none at all, not at all this series, and I understand why. But I, I do wonder if, like, shying away from the five out and just getting – a big body in the middle of the floor to catch lobs from Luca might just like open some things up, get some like vertical spacing. If you, you know, think that's a thing. Oh, who's I don't know. What do you say? Sorry. Who's that going to be? Uh, Powell. Oh, oh, I see you. You want Powell cause he's a vertical spacer. Okay. I thought you meant. Yeah, he, I mean, he catches lobs pretty well. I mean, I think, I think at the very least that could be an interesting wrinkle cause they need something to change. Yeah. Well, he's playing. I mean, in the last game, I got. I can't see here. How many? Oh, he only got 16 minutes. It looks like. Sorry. He's averaging like 14 minutes this series. I think he's playing none. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like there the moments when the game was starting to get loose for them. It's like Powell seems to be involved. They were targeting him too, by the way, before they targeted Luca. It's almost. It's weird. It's almost like they didn't quite think about it when the series started. The Suns. And you saw a couple of moments where they got Luca and, and they attacked him, and they might have been, you know, they didn't realize it, right? And then game two was like, wait a minute, we, we should just go at him. And then they, they totally decimated it in the third and fourth. Um, and I, obviously, they would be a fool not to go back and do that again, I think. And I, and I, I truly wonder how much uh, of the motivation to do that was this weird thing that was happening between the fans and Luca, you know what I mean? It, I, I, it's weird to understand how that would have happened any, any other way, because they clearly didn't have that as a target for the first six quarters. Yeah. I mean, they were attacking him as a help defender, but I, I agree like on ball. Yeah. 
and I was looking at those. It's tough because it's like you're in the midst of running an offense. Guys are diving. Can you really? Oh, it's Luca rolling, and let's get him. Like that's tough. To more more so than no, Aiton is open, and I'm going to hit him. You know what I mean? So yes. that was those are the ones that were trying to uh, were confusing to me as far as do I include those or not. And I think this for for simplicity's sake, no, we're just going to do it's either Booker or it's CP3, and it's a ball screen that he has to switch on in the ISO or the I ISO got a switch. I do think they were changed. Like when when he changed who he was guarding, they were putting that whoever that was in the strong side corner. Yeah. Like I think that was intentional, but I agree it's not as clear cut. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, Rafi, awesome stuff. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. We'll, Thanks we'll for having me. Thanks, Rafi. Oh, oh we got to get back to balance. There you go. Um, yeah. Hey, we have another super chat. Ready, Ven. Thank you so much, Ben. And, and guys, don't forget, if you want us to talk about your, your uh, questions and put them on screen, then Super Chat's the way to go. Thank you so much, Ben. Warriors in six, maybe. Gosh, sound, come on, own that. Say <laughs> exclamation point. Um, well, what do you think, Combo? I think that sounds about right. I do think the Warriors experience will show through in this series. And as much as Memphis thinks they're ready right now, I think it'll take one more year to be truly title contenders, even though maybe a lot of people would consider them title contenders right now. I mean, and they're, they went pretty far already, so it's uh, it's all good for them to feel that way, but I think they need to take their lumps one more year, and this Warriors team will get there to play the Suns eventually. Yeah, I mean, a lot of trash talking, a lot of that. Uh, we saw Ja on the way out uh, as he walked by Steph, who, you know, w- was very classy and not really responding. Well, th- do we know what he said? Or Yes. He said, you were right. This is going to be fun. Although I had thought he said something even more disparaging, but when someone on Twitter had said that, and I really watched that, that seems to be what the, what he was saying. Um, Cause it, for a second there, I thought, Oh, I forgot what I thought he had said. It was, it was even more disrespectful, but this was, you know, I like it. It's going to be fun. All right. So I don't mind it too much. Coach but, Nick, I'm from New York. That's nothing right there. That's, that's really nothing. nothing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Uh, and it will be. And um, you know, it, it's unfortunate because, uh, oh, and by the way, that was a uh, Korean Juan. That was uh, thank you for the answer there for that last super chat. So now we know mm. what the line is. Um, so you know, obviously, you know, this is the dangers of using the kind of rhetoric when you're coaching. I mean, I mean, listen, I don't know what uh, Taylor Jenkins told them, but a lot of times you, you get the rhetoric of like war. You know, we're in a battle. We're got we got to fight. All these whatever the words are you use, uh, and you get something like that, like what you know Dylan Brooks did. Now. Gary Payton is a kind of a quiet guy. He's like physical, but I don't, I can't. And it was only in the first, like what, three minutes when they, when Dylan Brooks takes him out um, it, it, to me, you know, do you feel like it was the kind of thing that where they said to themselves, this guy is the, their best defender of jaw. We need jaw to be able to score. So we're going to, you know, we're going to put the screws in a little bit and see what happens. Coach Nick, I, I can't believe that would happen. I don't think that's pretty nasty stuff if that's what happened because you're messing with a guy's career. And if you're messing with a guy's career, you're messing with a guy's money. And I think that would be totally irresponsible. So I, I hope that I hope that didn't happen. Well, you know, Coach Kerr. Oh, my goodness. Someone's calling Coach, Coach Kerr. How do I make that stop? OK, uh, you know, said he broke the code. He's right. I mean, if if that got done to me in a game, I'd be tremendously upset. And usually people that do stuff like that don't really play basketball. Right. Like they shouldn't be on a basketball court. But in this case, the guy obviously does play basketball. And I, I agree with Steve Kerr. He did break the code. Yeah. You know, I keep seeing the the, the, the final but uh, end of the play because, you know, Ja tried to follow him, too, before that and didn't quite they didn't get the call. And it was Dylan Brooks's call. Was that a steal? Is that why it was open court and he was going? 
I'm not sure. You know what? Now, because now I'm, I'm blanking because sometimes, you know, if he stole it from Dylan Brooks and now he's embarrassed and he's going to go and whack the guy because of that. Oh, uh, gosh. Yeah. Let's see if I can find that. Well, that would make it even seem more intentional, right? Like, oh, yeah. That would give him more intent, I yeah. guess. All right. Let me, you know what? I'm going to, the pro, this new camera is great, but I, I kind of have it in front of my screen. And so I can kind of look at it and now I can't see behind it if I want to call stuff up. Let me try and see real quick if I can do this on, um, on Synergy while we're talking. But, um, Let's see here. What was that? It was the uh, Golden State Memphis. Okay. So I guess let me look up uh, his files. I'll be able to see it real quick. Um, personal file committed. Where is he? Dylan Brooks. He only committed one file. Well, he got thrown out, I guess, right? So what do you think about the, about him getting, a, a, I, will, I will say, only a one-game suspension? Yeah, I think that's about right. I think he should get suspended because he injured the guy. And we could say that the result doesn't matter, but the guy is actually hurt. And I think that does matter when they're reviewing it, right? When the yeah. guy actually gets hurt and he's out for, what is he going to be out, four to six weeks, they said? Um, he's out. Maybe he comes back for the finals, but I don't think so. I mean, that's yeah. – he's got ligament damage. He, he's got a, you know, a broken elbow. Um, yeah, it's not enough. It should be two games minimum for what he did, I think. Uh, wound up uh, – it was actually uh, Brooks misses the shot in the corner – and then they were really slow getting back in transition. And so in, in a very slow materializing fast break, uh, you know, Gary Payton just accelerates, gets the pass, and uh, it was what, what, free run to the rim. So it, it's awful, you know. I mean, I, I remember even saying when um, Caruso got hurt because – who hit him hard? Oh, Grayson Allen hits him. I had even kind of like maybe jokingly on Twitter said Grayson Allen should be out for as long as Caruso was out. Um and now I almost feel like, you know, you could almost not not the same thing, but you almost say he should be out for certainly more than you know more than 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 he is. Um, is that going to even affect the the um, the the Grizzlies? I don't. I feel like let me go check real quick. But I feel like his his numbers were kind of pedestrian so far. Yeah, but his impact is nice. I think his impact is nicer than his numbers. I mean, he defends. He could kind of play a little bit of that Draymond type role when Draymond's not in, right? As a short roller, yeah. and. Uh, you know, I think he is a piece that helps them. Um, can they win without him? Of course they can. But I do think that hurts them to some degree. Yeah. I mean, he's basically playing one game, so the points per game doesn't really work here. But he's shooting like under 20% from the field uh, without doing much else. And that was just the first game, basically, because he got kicked out pretty quick. Um, that, that doesn't mean he wouldn't have a big game eventually. You know, role players it, sometimes it, have that. Yeah. Sometimes like they have that one game that could win a series. Yeah, you're right, and I like his game, I, and I like yeah. him uh, generally the way he competes. But this was just uh, a little too far. So, uh, especially when a guy gets hurt. But oh, I was talking about GP, by the way. But okay. Oh, sorry, I thought you were talking about yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. No, GP is going to be is is big for them. He was playing. He was playing. Yeah. Well. He was very impactful. And again, yeah. talking about a guy like Ja, he's the guy you want to have guarding most of the, as much as you can, and that's why he was starting. So. Yeah. Uh, but they have guys they can throw out there and still, you know, make an impact on him. And, you know, uh, it's a great game, by the way. But we have right. Adam wants to come on the show. Adam. What's up, Coach Nick? How are you doing? Hey, I'm pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing quite well. So I, I wanted to talk about um, who you think the Bucks' best second option is on offense. Ah, good question. Um, well, it's got to be uh, Drew Holiday. I mean, I think in theory it's Drew Holiday, but other than starting the game off with a, I think it was like a six zero run or something, six or eight point run to start the game two off. 
Mm-hmm. He hasn't looked that good in this series so far against the Celtics. And yeah, it's only two games, but I don't know. You know, yeah. in game one, you had Grayson Allen as a clear second, maybe Bobby Portis, um, you know, as the, the two people behind Giannis. But I just haven't, you know, seen a whole lot from Drew this series yet. And I know it's difficult without Chris Middleton, but I think that they're going to have to rely on some of their other players. And I was wondering who you thought would step up for them. Okay, good question. So, Combo, do you think that that can be Grayson Allen? I think it can be, but Drew hasn't been playing that bad, I don't think. I mean, he has impact on both sides of the floor. Um, what has been his numbers his first two games? First well, quarter? he had a nice stretch, in the like like uh, Adam said, in the first quarter he had seven points, and then yeah. he had four points. And um, how many assists? Uh, two assists in the fourth quarter, the last eight minutes of the game there when they were, you know, trying to do something until the, the, the Celtics shut it down. But at that point, it was also, the, you know, kind of a wide lead. Uh, I, yeah. In the I, game- I don't. I don't th- I don't think they have a chance without Chris Middleton, in my opinion. Like, that's my personal opinion. And that's, you know, that's because they don't have that second guy. And Chris Middleton even acts as a first guy a lot of times, you know, shot making and effortless, quick hitting buckets. For sure. Drew is 22 points, 37.5% from the field, 36.3. Yeah. So he's doing okay, six assists per game, by the way. So, he, you know, he's yeah. making an impact. He's doing some things. But uh, I agree. I feel like uh, without – and by the way, Middleton – might come back. They they mm. were talking about him. You know, this is now that that period where maybe he's beyond the two weeks where they can come back. Um, certainly not for the next game, but like you know that might happen, and that'll be absolutely huge for them. But you're right. I agree. Otherwise, you know, it feels like there's no hope for the Bucks to win the series. What do you think, Adam? Um, I don't know. I think it's possible without Chris Middleton, depending on if they can move the ball well, because you know Giannis has developed his jumper a bit this year and I see some of the passes he's making and it looks like an improvement from the pat like you go you know two years ago in the playoffs but I really think that they they gotta I think Grayson Allen and Pat Connaughton have to step up a lot and then also I think with Brooke Lopez and Drew Holiday if they can get the ball moving then it'll be you know a pretty tight series because it's good for as good as the Celtics are the Bucks are you know almost just as good in my opinion and they've got, you know, a little bit more long-term playoff success and experience. Because if you go back, you know, when, when Jason Tatum was a rookie and Jalen Brown was in his second year, yeah, they made it, you know, just a game away from the finals. But that year was different in the terms of you had Al Horford, you know, really like as a leader for that team. And he hasn't slowed down really, but – I just don't know. You know, I've been watching Jason Tatum this series, and he looks a little bit timid on offense. He looks great on defense. But I think, you know, I think it really is up in the air at this point. I think a lot of people after the, you know, after they won the other night are saying, oh, well, the Celtics will probably win in six, maybe seven. But I really think it could be either team, depending on, you know, who chooses to really, like, put in more effort. I hear you. Well, well, Adam, really great points. We'll keep talking about this later, but uh, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it, too. Talk to you soon. Um, you know, I, I I think I agree with him, too. I feel like uh, game three will ultimately maybe decide who wins the series, right? That that kind of feels like mm. they've each taken a shot at each other, and now let's see what we have, uh, you know, with now that they've, they're warmed up and got their boxing gloves on. So, right, like, I feel like this is the, the big game, the next game they play. 
Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I have the Celtics winning the series, in my opinion. But yeah, obviously, I mean, when you when you're up to one, you always got a better chance to win it all, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. And um, and uh, you know, it's the Horford Portis thing, the X factors. I think those are the guys that are going to yeah. really decide this series. And by the way, you know, and, and as a result, I don't know about Giannis. Giannis to me isn't the guy who's going to like carry them to the win. For some reason, I'm just not feeling like that's in the cards right now with the way that team is set up. Um, you know what I mean? But but do, I, do you I, feel do you feel they have to do you feel they have to win handily to win? Because if it goes down the stretch, they don't have that guy to give the ball to. I mean, they, they, they do, in theory. Giannis is the guy, or he'll be the guy. Um, I, I, that's interesting. You know, I haven't even thought about it in that context. But, yeah, maybe, it's, especially without Middleton. I, I would think that, yeah, give the Celtics an advantage if it's a close game down the stretch at each, each yeah. game that happens. So Because you, you got Brown, you got Tatum. Yeah, absolutely. You got Horford who can, you know, will we'll stroke that two-motion shot because he's wide open. Uh, but we got Braun, uh, is, I think, Canadian. Thank you so much for the Canadian dollars. Uh, hey, coach, can you talk about Berton's shooting form energy transfer? What makes him struggle a ton but get hot quick? So, all right, this is great. I tweeted this out, and I said I really love watching him shoot. I think what I was also responding to, he's coming off a screen in motion into a catch and shoot, and there's a flow. Yeah. Uh, what Have you studied his motion that, that carefully? No, but I seen the one that was almost in the deep corner, and that one looked pretty nice. That yeah. one looked like he had good energy transfer. Well, I think the key with it is when he's like when he's rushing, quote unquote, rushing is when you get the mm. better better energy transfer. Because in my mind's eye, I haven't ever gone like frame by frame, and I really need to. But in my mind's eye, his release points over his head. It's like a two motion shot, yeah. and so uh, and the legs become a big part of that uh, to to enable to get you know the shot off and get with enough power. And as a result, those tend to be guys who are streaky. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's reasons why you're streaky. Danny Green's another one of those guys who doesn't not for the same reason, but. Um, so as a result, I feel like when when Bertans feels like he doesn't have time and's got to get it off quick, those are actually the better shots he takes. That's the best of the best energy transfer he has. Um, so I would love to be able to see him explore that a little bit more with some variability of you know knee dip, uh, ball dip, uh, changing the synchronization of the arms coming up. Yeah. Um, because uh, he's got a little bit more of that traditional where it'll stay there above the head for a second before it goes up, and that's just you got to propel that a little bit differently and. Uh, you know, most like Luca does it too. And when Luca rushes on his step backs, they look better and he makes more of those. I swear to God, I feel like the, the tighter he's guarded, the better he shoots because he's transferring the energy better. Uh, and when he's got more time and he's like just getting the set, it's got to stop and then go. Uh, those are the guys like Bertans as well. I think that struggle. So that, that's my, that's my quick take uh, without going frame by frame. Uh, anything else you want to add to that? Yeah, I noticed when I went to play overseas for the first time, it was the first time I saw players taking more time when they were wide open instead of having the same shot, whether they were guarded or not. So oh. maybe that's some of the reason what 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 you're seeing from Luca is that he's taking more time on those spot up wide open threes that he is off the dribble. And also sometimes when you load your hands quicker, you get into better energy transfer. So maybe that's part of the reason why he's shooting better with less time. Oh, and there's no question. It's those moments when you have everyone's looking at you and you have time to think about it, which is when yeah. you go wrong. So I would always encourage a guy, even if you're wide open, just catch it in your normal rhythm like you're normally going to shoot. Shoot it the same way Every on, on those. It doesn't make sense for me. I saw Devin Booker. He caught it wide open and, like, out of the dribble in place to shoot it. And uh, Oh, yeah. I mean, he but he's a different kind of character. He's not going to be one of those guys that take his time when he's wide open. Like, because you could tell he's – there's been a lot of repetitions – 
yeah. with him, you know, and he's always going game speed, even when he's wide open for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, and he's been better shooting the three. I, I want, I mean, in my mind's idea is let me make sure I, I, when I say that, that that's well, true. Well, especially over time from his first few years in the league. Right. I mean, his efficiency has gotten better. Yeah. And, and that's good to see because I really couldn't understand why he never shot much, but much, why he didn't shoot better from three than he had been in this series. In the two games, he's at 46% from three. And I, oh, no, I'm sorry. That's the, that's the, yeah, the playoffs. Let me do all the, the damn, let me do all the, all playoff rounds. He's shooting from three, uh, 47%. So he's been stroking it uh, in every which manner off the dribble, sketch and shoot, uh, whatever you, you want to yeah. do. It. And it's good to see because he's got a nice form. So I never understood why he wouldn't have shot closer to 40% uh, for his career. Oh, and then he's sort of figuring it out, I guess. Um, so that's really great to see. And, and by the way, it just makes him, you know, if he if he gets to be 40% from three-point land over the course of a regular season, then he probably gets to the MVP conversation maybe, right? I think so. I think he could get there. But I think a lot of young players struggle with efficiency. And you could kind of see, like, to me, the most important things for young players is how effortlessly you get off your shot. And it's not as much about efficiency because that usually improves over time for a lot of players. Like, that's what I was thinking when it comes to Anthony Edwards and even Jalen Green. And I think Jaden Hardy is going to be one of those guys who's coming into the draft this year that everybody tends to talk about their efficiency. But you got to really use the eye test with those guys. Yeah, I, the thing about Anthony Edwards is funny because he's he's was stroking it and he, and he has a two motion shot over his head, uh, and it looks like he's throwing darts in my mind. The elbow kind of goes down a little bit, and he's kind of you know what I mean, like he had that dart throwing. Yeah. Um, but I'm not going to say that that's not going to work, and he's found some ways to make that actually you know be uh, consistent for him. So so hey, more power to him if he can get that to happen. I worry about maybe later in his career when his legs start to go. Uh, that, you know, you need a lot of a jump for that kind of shot, I think, to, to make it get, you know, 26 feet, you know, across the court. Uh, but um, that was an interesting, you know, revelation I had the other day. I'm watching him. I'm like, he's throwing darts out there, basically. And, <laughs> yeah. And it, it was working for him. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, I think when you're looking at those young players, you just want to look at how effortlessly they get off that shot. And can they knock it down here and there? And I think a lot of times the efficiency comes. I think a great indicator is free throw shooting as well. Like if you're if you're not very efficient from three or the mid range, but you get it off effortlessly and you have a nice free throw percentage, I think that lends his hand to you becoming eventually a really good shooter in the NBA. All right, good point. We get another super chat. Okay, thank you, thank you so much, Chrono four five four. Thank you very much for the generous super chat. Um, C eight and flagrant. Uh, oh, good. Powell beat him the spot. So it wasn't to me. It wasn't about being in the spot. It was about um, Aiton f- throwing his elbow into the guy's, you know, chops somewhere in the f- face, neck, check, chest area. Yeah. Um, you know, and Powell was had he not swung the elbows, Powell was about to kind of run into him and foul him. Right? Uh, it yeah. just had to be the the order of operations there were that was, was that Aiton flagrantly hit him. I mean that that was pretty textbook. I don't think you could have said anything about it. it was it was a violent swing it was a violent uh connection right like do you, yeah. do you agree with that i agree with you 100 uh, a really gives me those like 90s big man vibes a little bit right even though he's a little more modernized but he does some of that big man stuff from back in the 90s so it kind of fit the script there with that play oh i gotta tell you i love with wade in place and it was funny because yeah. i was what did I, I made a comment um about how oh yeah the shots that Jokic was getting against the warriors and I said, wait till I mean, Aiden must be watching this and like just salivating. You know, he's like, yeah. I can't wait, because these are these are the kind of shots that I can get too. Oh my god! 
And that's the same thing, you know, he, not that he's like Jokic, but he, he has a, a game that, that kind of encompasses about 12, 13 feet around the basket where he doesn't have to just sort of always be under the basket and only dunk the ball or only get alley-oops. He's got touch. He's got form. Um, I think Aiden is just terrific. And, uh, it, it, and as his team evolves, I would, I, I'm looking forward to him getting more opportunities to be more, uh, to more of a threat on offense, maybe get some shots behind the line, maybe get some more, you know, dribble handoff stuff where he's handling the ball more. I think he can handle that. Yeah. You mentioned he was looking his shot, his chops when he sees that it's crazy how like some players just play so much better against certain teams, right? When we look at these playoffs, like John now is having a lot more success against the Warriors. He, I mean, they won last series, but he struggled a little bit. And there's a lot of examples of that in these playoffs of, Brunson is a guy who was averaging close to 30 in one series, and he's not even averaging close to that now. And it just shows you how much of the playoffs is about matchups. Matchups and and uh, adjustments, you know? Yeah, so yeah. The key adjustment, I was trying to think about this for, for Coach Kerr, what he's going to have to do here is, like, I, I think, you know, John isn't like the Matt Johnson-style passer. So you, you could argue you want to make him into a passer and, like, see how that mm. I don't well, know about that, Coach Nick. I think he puts that team in a conundrum because he's a really great passer. I mean, he's been a really great passer since college, I think. Not Magic Johnson level, but he could really pass. Yeah. He could really pass. So the question becomes, like, do you try and guard him straight up, let him get his, shut everybody else down as much as you can, uh, and then and then make a decision in the fourth quarter with five minutes to go if it's a close game? Do you, you know, you got to make a decision if you want to double that guy and really make anybody else beat you. Dylan Brooks not being out there is an interesting thing because he was a guy who can handle the ball a little bit and, and create something a little bit. Um, if they double, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, you know, who's the guy they're going to go to then uh, with the ball to create something. I like that idea of doing it in the fourth quarter when the players – when you're playing honest for the first three quarters and then maybe do it in the fourth because they're not in great rhythm because you were playing honest throughout the whole game. I wouldn't do that from the beginning, though, because right. of his I IQ and he's orchestrating offense from the beginning anyway. It's not something I would do because it would put those guys in great rhythm. And they have a lot of guys that could just really play basketball. Absolutely. And by the way, check this one out. Real quick, yes. Hey. Um, this is my this is my phone. But it was my iPhone 13 with the whole uh, cinematic mode, whatever. And so um, it's it's you know because you, you know that the background when you get blurry on like Zoom and it looks terrible. It's like a yeah. fake whatever they do and like the the edges of your head, whatever. This yeah, I gotta tell you, this really does. Look, I really like how this looks. I wonder if I can affect how maybe turn down the the blur a little bit more. But anyway, thank you so much for that uh, the comment. Um, and I also like it because it's a little bit lower. You know, my normal camera is like up this high right so it's yeah. always like higher and i'm looking up at you and i like this one where i'm a little bit like looking more straight at you anyway yeah. um what are we going to talk about well you know we probably i gotta i gotta keep my eye on the time because we're gonna get a little bit late in the you know in the in the where i gotta go soon but uh what else can we talk about to as we start to wrap this up coach nick we got to talk about you man because you brought all the smoke in your latest video did and you know i don't even know how much i want to get into it because twitter is a Twitter could be an awful place. Did you know that? Kind of well, Coach Nick, I mean, you have <laughs> you had everybody's tweets up in the video. So what do you expect, Coach Nick? You knew you were going to get a little feedback from that. Well, right? yeah, Jackson Frank, by the way, who, you know, who wrote for bballbreakdown.com back in the day, mm. like, you know, he got upset. And I, I, I feel bad. I, I, you know, I feel bad. I don't want him to be upset about it. Um, but I also use the tweets that I use were all ones that got, you know, thousands of likes, right, and got a lot of traction. 
uh, all of them being some sort mm-hmm. of results. look how awful DeAndre Jordan was. How could you play in this and that, whatever. Um, and it was weird that I was became the focus of slander because I tried to defend the player who got a lot of meritless slander, you know, in a way that, that, that maybe that maybe that is what is Twitter. That is Twitter. Right. So in my attempt and, and I don't, by the way, people weren't coming at me. The bad people weren't coming at me because I put those tweets in the front of it. I don't think they were coming at me because they didn't like the take. They probably didn't even watch the video. So here's the thing. I saw, we all saw the plus minus and the net rating of, of Deontay Jordan in the 17 minutes he played in game one. And so I was like, oh, well, let's look at this. Let's find out what did he do? It was so bad that led to an avalanche of scores and they every they couldn't score when he was out there. And you know what? Did you watch the video combo? Yes, I did. So, you know, from a coach's perspective, if you're grading those plays, you know, most of them were fine. He was doing well. Like, I mean, I even got into this weird discussion with a guy who there was a play where Jimmy Butler gets to the basket and, and like throws the ball like up off the underneath the backboard practically and misses the layup because he kind of lured him in and he contested the shot. And then the ball gets put back in because he had to do that. Can't guard two guys at once. I don't know what you expect. You know, I don't know if Bill Russell could have done that. And they put it back in. So it's like I said, you know, listen, he he angled. He kept, you know, he kept Jimmy Butler from throwing the ball to the roll man and contested the shot into a horrible miss. You know, that's this is not bad. And like I have, I have some some guy who I guess he thinks he knows the game really well, uh, you know, trying to say that was the worst horrible defensive positioning. And um, I just here's the thing. I, one thing I noticed is that. The most vociferous arguments I hear back at me a lot of the time is on defense. Have we talked about this before? We might have. Whereas defense as a coach, it's usually very clear how to break it down, what happened, who's at fault, and what was supposed to happen. But I'll I'll get the wildest takes on defense more than anything else from people. And I have to imagine it's because whatever level anybody would have played at, they must have thought, oh, well, defense is easy. Like I know we all understand how defense is played. And I got to tell you, it, it's it's wild out there, man. Yeah, I mean, defense at the highest levels is really tough. Um, I don't think people realize in the highest levels of Europe and in the NBA how much goes into being a great defensive team. Schemes, changing up every practice, every game. It's a new set of challenges. You have to remember where to be on the ball, off the ball, always be engaged. Offense is almost the easy part. Yeah. Now, I just want to say this is interesting here, and I'm going to throw it out there because it's live and why not, and, and it's on my mind. Um, so here's what's really, really strange, because the slander that I tried to protect you know, uh, DeAndre Jordan from did not match the slander that I ended up getting. I had a few people out there, and it did get around, on, if you're on Twitter, uh, you know, the kind of slander I could sue somebody for, for slander. And uh, you know, if you go look it up, I don't think it's a huge mystery. I was a coach for three years at a high school, a big high school program. And I was, and then I was not a coach the next day. And after those two and a half years, um, the reason why I'm, I wasn't coaching there anymore has nothing to do with whatever these ridiculous screenshots from anonymous shit posters on some small town, you know, uh, newspaper website. So I, I will say at least that much. And also that everyone is horribly, misreading what these screenshots say about me specifically. Um, and I, all right, I'll just, I, I guess we'll just say it. I think the reason why I, 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 they, I wasn't, I stopped, I was fired from being a coach uh, at that high school was uh, a kid, a sophomore said he wasn't feeling well at a practice 
And I said, great, well, call your mom, have her pick you up. He gets picked up. Uh, six, seven hours later, his lung collapses. He goes to the hospital. Um, I never see him again. He doesn't come back to the team. I don't know. He's whatever. Uh, he's in the hospital for a little while. A year later, there's a lawsuit saying that I should have known that his lung was going to collapse six hours before, which is ludicrous. The lawsuit gets thrown out. But because they filed this lawsuit, uh, the school didn't want anything to do with me, basically. So that's your answer if you want to know. I, I, it was blindsided. I had no idea what was going on. Uh, I, you know, and, and it was uh, whatever the word is, unfair, uh, whatever. That said, at least it gave me a chance to focus on B-Ball Breakdown full-time, which has been a blessing nonetheless. But uh, there you go. There, there's your answer for anybody who wants to know uh, and all this other it, – it is slander, let me tell you, because I don't want to get into what those accusations were from my first year. But I got to tell you, that was all dismissed. And it was nothing to do with anything I did. And, um, and uh, you know, it, it really is frustrating to see. But here's the thing that's most frustrating for me is that you don't like a video I did. OK, don't like a take of mine, whatever. That's fine. What, but what makes you think that you can go out and just say, say such heinous things about somebody else for that? That is really the problem here. And, um, you know, and maybe I'll address it again in more detail in another time. But that's the answer. Yeah, I think when you build um something as big as you did coach nick there will be more people that see what you're doing and then that means more ridiculous people will see what you're doing so you're going to have to deal with more of those ridiculous right. people fair enough and yeah. uh and by the way and to put a button on that and i feel bad for the kid whose lung collapsed because i i think what had kind of gotten back to me was that they had all these hospital bills because he was in the hospital for a while from the collapsed lung and I think they, uh, some attorneys like, oh, don't worry. We're just going to sue the school, and then they're going to cover all those costs. So yeah. I, I can almost follow that line of reasoning, but it directly affects me, you know, even though they knew that it wasn't anything to do with what I did or didn't right. do. And so uh, here we are. But at any rate, um, and, I, and by the way, they fought that, even, even though whatever happened to me happened to me, and they, they lost. So yeah. uh, they didn't get anything out of that whole thing, but maybe more lawyers' bills from the damn lawyer who lied to them and told them that they could, he can get them money. So at any rate, this is the the, the you know whatever. And and again, I I, I am sympathetic to the kid because I understand what was going on, but didn't make my life any easier for a long time. So all right, well let's bring on Eli. He wants to come on the show. We're gonna wrap this up soon, but we might as well get a couple of guys in here and and change the subject. I guess Eli, what's happening? How you doing, Coach? How you doing, Combo? Doing well. How are you, Eli? I'm good. Um, I was gonna, I wanted to ask you about um, the Bucks game um, a couple nights ago. So I think, Coach, you've actually talked about this when, in, whenever the Giannis MVP um, discussion comes up, which is he's one of the few superstars that you can't just hand in the ball and go get a bucket for us. And that's not true about you know, Kevin Durant's able to get, obviously able to get a bucket. LeBron, even though maybe he's not even the better scorer this year to get it through a scoring, like he always was able to get a bucket. But I think there really is this thing where I love Giannis, I love his character, and I, I think he's a great guy, but there's something that, until he won the finals last year, I really thought that, like, this is going to be a big problem in the playoffs. If so much of your scoring comes in um, fast break points, what about if, like, it's just a half-court offense and... Chris Middleton's not feeling it and you need to be the guy. And Chris Middleton wasn't that, by the way, was never, wasn't really like that stable in the playoffs. He was very erratic at the end. I think he kind of became, you know, consistent, but I don't think he was always that consistent and now he's gone. And I don't, I think there really is this like way to stop him. I think he's the most stoppable superstar, if that makes sense. Wow. 
Well, okay, you know, <laughs> it's hard. Listen, he's probably the greatest teammate of all time. I love Giannis as a person. He's hilarious. Yeah, I no, he's great. He says on on, on camera. Um, you know, there are moments where he does display good skill. He turn around jump shots or three point shots. He can hit a little bit now. The ball handling is there. Uh, the euro steps there are there. Um, it's just he there's a balance there and like what you said uh you know you can sag off of him and sort of make him into a a a 90s power forward who's just you know handing off and like he gets a post up every now and then which you know sometimes are good if he's got a good uh you know matchup down low but if it's against guys who are who can are a little bit stronger then it doesn't usually go so well um and so as a result you're kind of wringing your hands when you get down to the last couple shots and you need him to do that for you um but it wasn't even the last couple of shots. I mean, it was the whole game. They were really able to force them into half-court offense, I feel. I mean, the Celtics yeah. have a fantastic defense. So not every defense is able to do that. But I really feel like if you if you can force the Bucks to play a half-court offense and get get back on defense quick, I really feel like, you know, that's kind of their Achilles heel. And that's so, a problem in the playoffs, which I think is, a, you know, happens more often. No one's calling you a hater in the comments. They're all calling me a hater. So tell me, I'm going to have to study how you just said it and do it exactly the same way because something what I'm saying, I guess – you know, it's like you offer. I don't look at the comments, coach. You know, I don't, have to, I don't have a YouTube channel. I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> it's video evidence. It's measured analysis, whatever. And yet, like you know, we all know the hater is not a real term. A hater is simply if you say something that a fan doesn't like about their about the player they're a fan of. So I get it. Listen, I've got that for Giannis. I got it for Russ, Russell Westbrook for LeBron. You know, um, you know, all these uh, things are narratives. You know, you had a video which I really liked on the Bucks Nets game. Where that where you know everyone's like, oh, Giannis is look, he could be a closer. Look at the lat, you, you think that he can't shoot, he hits a clutch three. I'm like, well, first of all, he messed up that possession before. If they don't get that offensive rebound, whatever it was, I don't remember exactly what happened, then that's a whole different narrative. All these things are just narratives, what ends up happening. So, you know, I still don't think, I still think that I, I think he's a top three player. I just think that in the playoffs, his specific weakness is worse than Jokic or Embiid's, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, I don't even know what Jokic's weakness would be. Defense and oh. a lack of ability to switch and defense, defense. Uh, but okay, fair enough. But yeah, and and you're right because because Giannis, it, that's the thing about the MVP discussion that you mentioned earlier, which is and someone yelled at me again on Twitter for it. I, you know, I guess what you're going to discover about me is I, I I read my mentions on Twitter. Maybe that's the solution. I, I shouldn't do that as much, but um, you know, it's like. To be the MVP, right? Shouldn't you have that role on your team where they give you the ball in the last possession or two and say, "Go get us a bucket," like Combo said. That that's you know. And by the way, if you don't agree, well, that's cool. I'm not going to really argue with you about it. I just happen to feel that yeah, you should have that role. Eli, is that a hot take or is that is that same? Uh, look, I agree with you. I always, I always had, I loved Giannis, and I always was worried in the playoffs. Like in, in that Sun series, I really felt like offensively the Suns were better. Last year in the, the finals, they just wore down because the Bucks were just too physical. But from like a offensive standpoint, I think the Suns were just more dangerous. Yeah, and we and by the way, I mean we don't need to bring up the the Bucks Nets series and why. Yeah, I mean if they lose in the first round, whatever that was, second round. I mean it's like a different narrative. Bud gets fired. I mean they right. probably have to trade players. Like, but we all know what happened, right? And and why the outcome happened the way it did, right? We all know. Because, I mean, Harden and Kyrie were basically not there. I, I mean, Harden was half of himself, and Kyrie missed a few games. Why did Kyrie miss a few games, Combo? I don't because, remember. You don't remember why Kyrie I mean, missed a few games? He fell off the earth? I don't remember, actually. Um, the, uh, I know I know. Harden had the hamstring. 
Wow. Who, who remembers in the comments why Kyrie Irving couldn't finish that series after they looked like they were going to destroy the Bucks? Who remembers? Anybody? I'm going to do a little ASMR for you. Um, wow. Nobody remembers what happened to Kyrie in that, in that series last year? Wow. You don't remember that Kyrie sprained his ankle? Okay. And you remember how? I just, I just I, look the Nets to me. Like I didn't even put the Nets together as a big three because they played like fourteen games. Like to me, it's like I just assume one of them's always be missing. Yeah, I didn't remember exactly what the injury was. At the basket and gets the ball, and Giannis flies in from no, out of nowhere and and is, gets under gets under him, and he lands on Giannis's foot. Uh, not necessarily. Oh, intense. yeah. Reckless is a good word for that, and uh, kind of like how Marcus Smart could be reckless uh, and not intentional. So. Um, that was game four tied. I, I, are you sure that's what it was? Game four tied 2-2? Two, two? Uh, somebody else confirmed that with me because um, my memory was – listen, it wasn't on purpose, but it was reckless. And um, I, I, I will say with, with some certainty, having watched the games up until that point, that uh, if Kyrie was healthy, I don't think that the Bucks win that series. I mean, Durant almost beat them alone. Uh. Exactly. So at any rate, that, it, it, that happens. Injuries happen all the time. So anyway, Kama, what do you think of my take on Giannis? Do you think that there's a like there is a playoff problem with him that you kind of have to work around? Yeah, I mean, I've been saying this for a long time now, what you're saying pretty much. And and from what I said or even earlier in this live, like I think, first of all, I don't think the Bucks. First of all, I don't think the Bucks will win without Middleton. Um, if Middleton comes back early and looks like 90 or 100 percent, they have a chance. But I do think the Bucks have to win handily to win these games because in close game situations, you got guys like Tatum and Brown with the Celtics and you don't really have a guy you could reliably get a bucket from at the end of a game. Um, Giannis has done it before, but it's just not consistent. And by the way, so is Drew. Drew has come, come out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah Drew. But Drew is like, Drew is so steady. Like he's, to me, in my opinion, I know a caller earlier wasn't too happy with you, but he's always super steady and super consistent. But all right, yeah. Listen, the clock is running. We never get out all of right, here. Okay. But Eli, thanks so much for coming on. Please come back on the net. We'll talk to you in the next one. All right. Appreciate it, Coach. Got it. Um, all right. Listen, um, we got another super chat. Thank you so much, Felipe. From I wish I knew what R is. Felipe is what's R? Hey, Coach Nick, can you even me out? Oh, from Brazil. Jeez, Louise. Oh yes, I'll even you out. Sorry. There Forgive me. Sorry. Um, greetings from Brazil, Coach. Who is the best Brazilian player? Oh, Oscar Schmidt. Uh, well, no. Who else is from Brazil? So, oh, oh uh, there's, there's um, the Flash. Uh, who's the Sun from the Suns? Uh, Barbosa. Barbosa, who's on the Warriors now as a coach. Barbosa could very well be that guy. But Oscar Schmidt, man, coming from back, you know, back in the day. Uh, do you remember him? Yes, he never played in the NBA, but probably the greatest player to never play in the NBA, maybe? That might be it, yeah, because Sabonis did make it when he was yeah. later. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I, Oscar Schmidt's still that guy, and he's hilarious. I saw like a video of him from a few years ago where he's just having a good time and uh, was really could light it up. Um, so that might be the guy, but I'm, I feel like there's another Brazilian. Well, there's, there's Andy Anderson Derjao. Um Oh my God, I, this is going to be embarrassing. I'm sure there's probably somebody really great that we're forgetting from Brazil. But um, anyway, so um, thank you. So, Art, what, what, what is the, uh, do you know what the currency is in Brazil? I do not. It's a Rio? No, it's a, um, gosh, I don't even know. I used, to, I was there once. Anyway, I, went, I was in the place called Buzios and loved it. I want to go back. Okay. Uh, all right, let's quickly, we got a couple of guys who want to come on. Let's see if we can give them a countdown. So we can, you know, they'll be on. I'll give them what, like 60 seconds, and then we'll go back. So let's do Selwyn first. Selwyn, are you there? Hello, hello. Can you hear me? Yes, yes let's sir. What do you want to talk about? I just want to big you guys up. 
calling you guys from the Caribbean. I'm from the island of St. Martin. Love your show, love your take. Uh, quick you. question. Uh, how do you like the mismatches exploited by Chile? Uh-oh. It's the first time I've ever seen Bill McGee actually, like, once get the ball, when he gets a mismatch to post. Sometimes Bismarck, Diabo, and Deontay Eaton as well. But that's basically just giving some love to the big men. Okay, okay. you've dropped out on that. Did you hear combo? I, I heard Bismack. Uh, well, I heard JaVel McGee, and I would say this is a very hot take. I think in a perfect situation throughout his career, JaVel McGee could have been an all-star. There have been moments when JaVale McGee looks like Wilt Chamberlain. I tell you, there's a Denver yeah. series in that playoffs where he was swooping in with hooks, yeah. blocks, and shot. Yeah. And uh, there's no question uh, he, we should give him some love. Biombo, I was not a big fan of, but you know what? He's found a nice home in Phoenix. He gets lost. He doesn't really know where he's supposed to be sometimes, but um, he's he is doing nicely. So we'll give he him a found shot. A, he, he found a way to play in the league for a while. So that's great. You yeah. Know? All right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, basically it, but just mismatches. That's all I was talking about. Yes, absolutely. Okay. All right. Bye. I want to appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. That was a a good one, though, even though we couldn't hear him that well. It was good. Yeah, right. Well, I know Pedro will come in a lot lot better. Pedro, are you there? Hi, Coach. I'm here. Hi. Uh, Interesting to enter right now because I am Brazilian as well. And our currency is reais. Uh, Reais. Reais. Is I think it's a little bit difficult to say, like, Anderson Varejão is the correct pronunciation in our language. So a lot of people think it will be a lot like Spanish, but I can speak English a little bit, but Spanish not at all. So wow. kind of mix up there. Uh, my point would be about Yanis. I think that something that Yanis gets a lot of flag for is not being a closer. All right. But I think that roster construction can mitigate a lot of that because his defense is elite. He's one of the top three defenders in the NBA. So you could have six-man type players, bucket getters like Lou Williams, like these guys who can play alongside another weak defensive superstar. But I think a guy like that would complement a lot in his game and we would have... Less necessity. He's, he could score 40 points during the first three quarters. In the last minutes, when the game's so tight, he would make amazing defensive plays and let some guy who is much cheaper than a second superstar be the bucket getter. I yeah. think that could be a very interesting crossing construction move for the Bucks. Well, here's the thing. They, I think they already have that in Middleton, right? Yeah. It, but Ohio, Middleton... To- to a higher He's level, a actually. Second star level player. I think that a guy who is way cheaper and way more offensive focus, you know? Those guys, you, by the way, Pedro, those guys aren't cheap anymore. Right. Even those yeah. six men. Like Tyler Hero is going to get paid. But he won't be six men for longer, I think. I think he will. I think that's how Miami looks at him as a six man. They're just going to pay him as well. Uh, is, he doesn't yeah. look to think uh, uh, like that about himself. He right. said, uh, Luca, Devin, Devin Booker, nah? I want to be in the same level as those guys. I don't think we'll be happy coming off the bench for too long. Right. Uh, I hear you. I, I, well, yeah, right. So far, it's been so good. But, yeah, th- there's going to be a moment, I suspect, where he wants to start and be that guy. So, well, great points, Pedro. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, wait, thank you. How do you say thank you in Brazilian? In Portuguese. Obrigado. 
Obrigado. That's right. Okay, Obrigado. Obrigado. Okay. Um, all right. Well, we got to wrap it up. I'm, I'm, someone's going to be banging on the door in a minute probably to tell me I have to go to dinner. So um, here's the thing. Here's my hot take about the Mavericks. Um, wait, let me just make sure that I'm talking uh, not out my – talking at the right end. Um, where is it? The Mavericks um, need to – where am I? Hang on. Where is it? I'm just make sure. Oh my God. I'm like losing my mind. It's not the Mavericks. Who am I talking about? What was that? Right. I got another subject. Wait, hang on. Oh no, it's Philly. Okay. Philly. Sorry. That's what I knew it was. Philly needs to tear the whole thing down and keep Thibault, um, Harden, and um, and Embiid, and that's it. Who am I forgetting? Is there anybody else that should be on there? Maxi. Ma uh, Ty Maxi, sorry, Tyrese Maxi. Those four. That's it. Everybody else needs to go. They're not up for it. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. they're not up. For I mean, Harden, Harden has to take this offseason serious and come back in shape. That's huge for them. Yeah, yeah. But uh, either way, it's they're they're not up for. They they need to improve across the board in all those other positions. Okay, what do you want to talk about real quick? And then I gotta go. Dan Tony to the Hornets. I'm hearing stuff. Yeah. And that would be big time for LaMelo's brand and his stats. I think it would be a match made in heaven. Love it. Now, they better not get Russ in there, though, because that gets all in the way of what you described, and that would be a buzzkill and a half. I don't think that's involved with this situation, though. You don't think? Well, okay, but you don't think? I mean, that's all we've been hearing, that Russ is going to go to Charlotte. I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking about D'Antoni and LaMelo in Wait. Charlotte. Is uh did Dan, is there a Russ and D'Antoni intersection in 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 Houston? I no. think that was after D'Antoni left, if I'm not mistaken. Oh wait, wait, was Dan D'Antoni wasn't in the bubble, right? <sighs> yeah, he wasn't. He all right. Let's go to that team. Okay, hang on, Houston. Who I I feel like I don't have my command of my brain anymore because I would have known. He might, he might he might have been he might because that's when they went super small ball. All right, here's D'Antoni's last year. Uh, dun, 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 minutes played. Let's see. Yes, they do. So he had that team, the Russell Westbrook Harden team, in um, 1920. So that's the bubble year, right? So um, D'Antoni ain't taking that job if they if if Russell goes, right? Right, but I, I'm thinking about Lamelo and D'Antoni. You keep bringing Russ in the mix. I know, but I'm all in. I listen. It, it's um. Uh, LaMelo deserves the shot, the keys with whoever. And if you and put it in D'Antoni's offense and they run that, and by the way, guess guess who's going to play the Omari Sotomayor role is, is Bridges on that team. Um, Miles Bridges. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. Like, I mean, they're, they're going to be awesome. They're already awesome. They're going to be awesome. It's going to be great. Yeah, he's a modern, more uh, modern Omari Sotomayor because he gets to put that out there on Twitter and let's, let's, let's get that narrative going so people leave me alone about the, uh, Jordan. Yeah, let's do that because people that's interesting. And also LaMelo talked about it in an interview somewhere or he said somewhere that he need he wants the keys. He, he's going to continue to be positive, but he wants the keys. I'm paraphrasing here, but he, deserves, he, he wants to be employee of the month, too. And, uh, <laughs> that's true. That's a good commercial. Yeah, it is. Isn't that it really is. And got to tell you, the father is great, too. Uh, they, I love they put him behind the door so he really can't get in. Then that's a good that's a good. Um, here's, a, here's another hot take, even though I know you got to go to dinner. Jello will end up in the NBA for at least oh, a few God. games. Didn't he play in a game or two already? I do, not, I do not think so. 
I, do I think not. he might have suited up, believe it or not, and like officially was like on a roster for 10 days. But in either way, he, he's not – yeah, I, I've seen him hang in these games at high-level competition. Summer League, he played really well. He showed he belonged. His brother is going to be a franchise player. That always helps. I think the combination of those two things yeah. is right. going to get him in the league. Right. If Giannis's brother can be on the team, then, yeah, without question, uh, so can um, LaMelo's brother So and Lonzo's brother. So, anyway, good stuff. Awesome show. Really great stuff. Uh, great yeah. Super Chats, great uh, guests and everything like that. Uh, got some stuff off my chest, perhaps, and maybe made mm-hmm. some clearer. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, at any rate, um, thanks, Combo. And uh, I guess we're going to be back to, on this on, on we knew on Sunday. Is that what we said? Yeah, let's make that happen. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much for everybody. And don't forget, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel. We're a conversation. You win. Are you in, Combo? I'm in, Coach Nick.